Welcome back to Podcast 39 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Oddsbreakers. Follow us on social media slash The Oddsbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Betfred Sports. For a $250 bonus from Betfred, please visit Betfred Sports and use the promo code ODDS23. Terms, conditions, and location apply if you'd like to support The Oddsbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theosbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any of our premium cappers to get your premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Osbreakers to get our free picks and telegram newsletter and be a subscriber. We are back, my friends. Crazy U.S. Open weekend. Obviously, the big names didn't hit the board. Wyndham Clark ended up sneaking right in there while Fowler kind of just lost it in the beginning of Sunday's play and took home the big major prize. And man, I I feel bad for Ricky Fowler. He just can't put that last day together. I don't think he's won since the Phoenix Open a few years back. And Wyndham Clark, though, you always love to see the small guy play. You always wish you were on the small guy when that happens. But either way, we ended up tying for 10th place for our ROM top 10. Our future place to win it lost. Maybe about two units or so involved in that. But we went three out of four for our matchup plays. Uh, so we are very close to even for the U.S. Open. And I'm just totally fine with that. Happy enough that we got to see a guy, a massive underdog at some books, 150 to 1 in Wyndham Clark to win the whole thing. So U.S. Open actually does that. It's not usually played on a familiar course. So the little guy has a heck of a lot better chance due to the sheer variance in play. It's kind of like an NBA game where the worst team is playing the best team in extremely windy weather, right? The worst team actually has a chance to win just based upon the extra variance. Well, U.S. Open being played at the L.A. Country Club for the first time was certainly a different type of course and not easy to prepare for for most of the golfers. But that's why you always get a big ticket winner when it comes to the U.S. Open. I had a few long shots myself around the 80 to 1 range, but none of them seem to pan out now my UFC was a little down last week as well because Marvin Vittori absolutely got his ass kicked man I mean 241 significant strikes you know he comes in with the Rocky song but he was kind of like Rocky and the fact that he just doesn't get knocked out he looks like completely dazed out there just bloodied up and still standing and took all the strikes for five rounds from Jerry Cannonier and Cannonier man I got to give him some props because he was better than Vittori on the ground as well. Cannoneer, I need to see him against Easy again. I, I think Cannoneer definitely deserves another shot. But anyways, we have a great show for you today because, well, I'm going solo. And you might have heard the echo in here being that we are completely remodeling our floors in our house, redoing our kitchen. It's pure hell and pandemonium. Imagine doing this with three kids. It's just not the funnest thing in the world. But I have it together and... uh found some other damages I have to fix, so I am struggling. But at least at the same time, I was able to find time to go over the rest of our NFL division previews, the AFC East and the AFC West. Going to finish it all today on this show, going solo, and then I'm going to talk a little UFC on ABC 14, where you have the main event with Ilya Topuria versus Josh Emmett. I definitely have some plays for you and some things to say about this amazing main event. Well, I'm not sure how amazing it's going to be, but you'll see uh, what my thoughts are very shortly. Before we get to these guys, I want to mention that we have a promo code at the Oddsbreakers for you guys to give us a shot. Use the promo code SUMMERWIN to get 100 bucks off every Football package that we have, 
and $50 off every monthly membership for the first month. Use the promo code SUMMERWIN to get that. That means if there's a $100 membership cost, you get 50 bucks off that for the first month. You can try it out. It doesn't work out for you. You can always cancel. Sean Kanaki is on an absolute tear. Eric Rocco's heating up. My baseball is in the black. NBA was 63%. Having a wonderful summer here over at theoddsbreakers.com. Without further ado, let's get into a little NFL AFC East 2023 preview and season win totals. All right. The AFC East was a stronger division than it really looked last year. I feel like some bad luck really set in for some of these teams. The Bills were once again the powerhouse that just could not get a game plan together in the postseason. And if you remember, they also struggled to finish a lot of the games with some of those big spreads they are covering, getting backdoored at the end of the fourth quarter and even losing a few like to the Minnesota Vikings. The Jets had pretty much everything together except a quarterback. They also had some bad injury luck with Brees Hall. The Dolphins lost their quarterback and had zero backup while the Patriots hired a bonehead for an offensive coordinator in Matt Patricia. Idiot. So I don't like that three of these teams had really bad off seasons. You know, I don't think they had good off seasons at all. And that's kind of the premise that is going into my AFC East preview. The AFC East plays the NFC East and the AFC West this season. So that's a rough schedule in my opinion. I mean, the only thing that is nice is the lighter travel, being that the NFC East is very close, but the AFC West, you know, two of those games should be farther away. But this is just a a rough schedule based upon the strength of the AFC West and the strength of the AFC East, two divisions that are better than average. So both the NFC East and the AFC East have high floors. And that's why teams like the bottom feeders, the Washington commanders, you know, season win total around seven-ish. That's the worst. And you have the Giants around eight and a half, right? And then you have the Raiders, six and a half, seven. And that's the worst of their division. There's no Tennessee Titans. There's no um, Colts. There's no Texans. There's no Tampa Bay Bucks. You know, it's a it's a really above average division, especially when you're talking about the top where you have the Eagles and the Cowboys, as well as the Chiefs, the Chargers, and now the lurking Denver Broncos. Let's take a closer look into this division. The divisional odds, Bills plus 120 to win it, the Jets plus 270 now, the Dolphins plus 300, and the Patriots plus 800. We're going to start with the top team in the division, which is right now the Buffalo Bills. Vegas win total 10.5, juice to the over, minus 120. 2022 wins 13.5. Pythagorean wins 12.93 at large games versus Jacksonville versus Tampa and at Cincinnati. Schedule last year was easy. Key losses. Inside linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, quarterback Case Keenum, running back Devin Singletary, and guard Roger Saffold is not signed. Key additions. Guard Connor McGovern, wide receiver Deontay Hardy, outside linebacker Leonard Floyd, defensive end Puna Ford, safety Taylor Rapp, guard David Edwards, and quarterback Kyle Allen. Key draft picks, tight end Dalton Kincaid, guard Osiris Torrance, linebacker Dorian Williams. The Bills once again missed their window of opportunity last year during a very snowy day against the Bengals in Buffalo. Now one would think, Snow would actually help a Northern team like the Buffalo Bills, but the sharper people last season knew that it was an advantage for Cincinnati. This is a problem. The Bills are more of a passing offense that utilizes Josh Allen's scrambling abilities to his best and his running abilities, obviously. 
So they run the ball more sparingly, even though the numbers don't show that. You can look between the numbers and see Josh Allen takes on some design runs, and he gets massive chunks of yards because the division was just really bad and slow to figure that out. They also didn't have a big back to break through some of the larger defensive fronts in the AFC. So, you know, they relied on that. Um, They just let Devin Singletary go to Houston. So that is probably a little more damage to the running back. This type of focus away from the run game just does not bode well for bad weather teams, you know. Um, The Bills drafted Dalton Kincaid to play a hybrid tight end slash slot position in this offense. Um, it's, it's, It's not really conducive to power running. You know, running the clock, getting your defense off the field if need be. They care about the finesse aspect just because of that first pick, and they traded up for that. If you remember, they hopped the Cowboys because they were scared they were going to get Kincaid, which actually thought Cowboys looked completely shell-shocked. So I think that that was true, that Cowboys really did want him. Now, I don't like the downgrade last year at offensive coordinator from Brian Dayball to Ken Dorsey, and I think it kind of showed its ugly face. And I also feel the Bills took a step back on defense, more specifically with their pass rush, only ranking in the middle of the pack in pressure rate and sacks. The most glaring loss, linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. You heard me talk about him before. Now maybe the two-lane draft pick in Dorian Williams uh, becomes a superstar, but <laughs> that's a very big F coming from a smaller school. Edmonds was one of the best linebackers in the lead. His leadership is going to be missed here. Finally, the Bills, they have to deal with a very improved division here, right? Um, Look what the Jets are doing with their quarterback. Look what the Miami Dolphins have from their skill positions. And the Patriots, well, see if they can rebound. But Josh Allen, if he gets hurt in any way, I don't believe that Kyle Allen, who is the backup now, is adequate, especially to run a heavy pass and quarterback run offense I also think that Diggs while a special talent is starting to creep up in age along with Von Miller and AJ Klein my number is 10.22 wins you know that's what it came up to I lean under my power range 4.75 which is tied for fourth I think that's fair to start out with but the bills aren't quite as strong right now as what I'd hoped them to be coming into the 2023 season. Now, unfortunately, the Vegas win totals at 10.5, so I'm not going to play this under, but I'm certainly not going to go over unless this line significantly moves in one of the directions. Number two, the New York Jets. Vegas win total 9.5, juice to the over, minus 130. Pythagorean wins are seven. 2022 wins 8.31. Schedule is medium, actually. Versus Atlanta, versus Houston, and at Cleveland. Schedule last year was hard, right? Very hard. Jets had a hard division and hard at-large games. Key losses, defensive end Nathan Shepard, defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins, guard Nate Herbig, quarterback Mike White, running back James Robinson, guard Dan Feeney, Right tackle, George Fant, and left linebacker, Quan Alexander, is not signed. Those two, George Fant and Quan Alexander. Key additions, quarterback Aaron Rodgers, offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, wide receiver Alan Lazard, guard Wes Schweitzer, wide receiver McCole Hardman, defensive tackle Quinton Jefferson, wide receiver Randall Cobb, defensive tackle Al Woods, running back Brees Hall is back from injury, so I should mention that. Whom they drafted, edge Will McDonald, center Joe Tipman, uh, tackle Carter Warren and running back Israel Abani Kanda, which I think was for Tulane as well. Um, there's a new sheriff in town. Broadway Joe even offered him a new jersey and his number to continue at number 12. Of course, Rogers did decline that, but let's hope for Jess fans this becomes the best move in the NFL for 2023 and acquiring Aaron Rodgers. Looking at the numbers from last year, the Jets were a much better team than their record showed. Uh, New York underachieved by 1.31 wins from their Pythagorean win total. They ranked number six in defensive EPA while they had a good running game before Brees Hall got hurt for the season. Doesn't take a football coach to know 
that this team was greatly missing a quarterback for the 2022 seasons. Now, as much as I disliked Aaron Rodgers being a Bear fan, you have to obviously admit that he was good, you know, and could do some very special things. And this was a championship type move for the Jets. You know, they are ready to win. And they picked up a very competent quarterback that's going to have a chip on his shoulders. I honestly think that Rodgers uh, was really burned out in Green Bay over the past three years due to the front office issues and his own issues. Because I think he's kind of a diva. But he's faltered in the playoffs. you know, And he's got a little LeBron James in him, I think, when it comes to closing out games. But maybe this year is one of them where he can prove the doubters wrong. Right? I think this is a significant season for him for his own legacy. Now, did the Jets shed some guys? Not nearly as much as other teams with less rookie deals. The Jets will have a new offense with Nathaniel Hackett coming into offensive coordinator. Now, I am a little concerned that he's still the play caller coming in like he was in Denver. When he was with the Packers, he didn't call the plays. Matt LaFleur did. But in saying that, maybe this is the year he figures it out and maybe Aaron Rodgers um, can kind of build off that. I mean, they were together a few years back. So uh, maybe they can kind of learn together. I really don't know how good of a coach Robert Sala really is just yet. I think he's good at running a defense, but... I think that this team needs to gel on offense. And I hate the fact that they're taking some time off already, ending early in their OTAs before practice uh, resumes in the next few weeks because they did do that. They let the players off a little early. Not a massive fan of that either. But at the same time, I have to side with the public narrative on this. I see a motivated quarterback that's got a lot of talent and you can call him old at 38, 39, but Tom Brady, what, won two or three championships since he's 38 years old? Something like that, you know? So you have to believe it can be done. And, man, are, is this team loaded with talent on the skill positions as well as on defense. They do have to figure out that contract with Quinn and Williams, but I like the Jets this year. My number is 10.66. But, you know, instead of taking an over – Juice to the over at minus 130. I'm going to take a shot against the Bills. I might have given this out before a month or so ago because this is one of the first plays I made. I bet the Jets to win the division at plus 250. I can't believe this went against me at plus 270. Maybe it's because of some of the issues with Nathaniel Hackett that people are thinking that he was just kind of a failure over at Denver, which I'm not sure how much we realistically should have expected from him. And that's part of the reason I bet the Denver season win total, one of my biggest wins from last year. But at the same time, now there's familiarity. You know, he's not coming in and have to take the whole thing over. He's just got to worry about the offense with a quarterback that he's been with for years. And, and I think that's the positive side of things. So I'm taking him win the division here for one star at plus 270. I think it's very possible with this schedule. Uh, the Jets have plus 12 games, net games of rest which is number one in the league. And you got to love the at-large games versus Atlanta, Houston, and at Cleveland. So we're going to take a shot against the Bills here. And you know what? It could fall apart in my face. But I'll tell you this. If they get to 10 wins you know, and, and don't win the division, I'll be okay with that. It's You're laying minus 130. I think if they have a shot to beat the Bills, they're going to need 11 or 12 wins myself. Um Plus 270 is kind of where I'm siding with that one. So the Bills have a very hard schedule coming into this season. And the uh, Jets have a pretty easy schedule. I'm going to go with the Jets. Also, you should shop that uh, line total around, or I should say season win total around, at 9.5 juice to the over. Maybe you can find a book that's dealing something more minus 110. And uh, or maybe like you get a nine at minus one fifty. I'd be I'd feel a lot better even taking a nine over minus one fifty than a nine and a half at minus one ten. So shop it around and see what you can get with the Jets. Number three, the Miami Dolphins. Vegas win total nine point five. Juice to the under. 
minus 120. Pythagorean wins, 8.82. Um, 2022 wins was nine wins, similar to 2021. That's got to be frustrating, missing the playoffs like that. Their schedule's hard versus Carolina, versus Tennessee, and at Baltimore. But the true reason why their schedule is hard is, well, the Baltimore part. And the fact that they have to play the Bills and the Jets twice, you know, so it's going to say hard. Last year's schedule was easy. Their key losses, outside linebacker Landon Roberts, tight end Mike Gusecki, cornerback Byron Jones, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, outside linebacker Melvin Ingram, and left tackle Eric Fisher. Key additions, linebacker David Long, quarterback Mike White, Braxton Berrios, wide receiver, uh, guard Dan Feeney, tackle Isaiah Wynn, and safety Deshaun Elliott and a bunch of lower level dudes who they drafted quarterback Cam Smith, South Carolina. And that's really about it. You know, I think I think that they didn't do great in the draft and they didn't have a heck of a lot of picks here. So a little bit worrisome. They did spend a lot of money over the past few years. This is all about one thing. And you've heard me talk about it if you listen to this podcast frequently the quarterback it's Tua Tonga Viola you know his concussion issues this team is loaded with talent as well especially on the offense but he's just suffered too many concussions last year and I think I thought he was one away from retirement and that's why I didn't see him play one of the last couple games when he was weeks off of injury you know I mean think about that how can you take a quarterback over their win total, who might not even finish the season, much less his career. You know? And what did they do for a backup? What do they do? They pick up the Jets garbage from last year in Mike White. Unreal. <laughs> you know? And who's the backup after him? Skyler Thompson. Reach for the Skyler. Seriously, they really dropped the ball here, in my opinion. They're not active in the draft at all, being that they had a few picks to play with. But I thought there was a couple quarterbacks there like Jake Hayner and Stetson Bennett that they could have filled the void if slash when uh, Tua suffers his next concussion. I mean, I'm absolutely blown away that this team ignored such an important factor when they have so much talent to compete with in the AFC South, you know, the defensive side wasn't that pretty last year when the blitz didn't work out, but they did finish the year ranking 22nd in EPA per play on defense. That wasn't so great. They were good against the run, ranking seventh in rush EPA, opponent rush APA, but 26 in opponent pass EPA. That needs to be fixed against a very much improved AFC East. Now, the Dolphins picked a ton of guys in free agency, but most of them are second-rate and something you do not see much in championship teams. The schedule is going to go from easy to hard this year. I have to go to the under and assume that two will not be healthy for the full 2023 NFL season. Take the under 95 for one star, the only way this is going over is if Tua plays 80% of his games. And so then I got a call from him saying, we don't have to worry about money no more. And I said, that's good. One less thing. Miami's power rating, I'm going to start pretty high at 2.75. And the reason it is, is because they have a ton of talent and Tua is going to start. I... Might have failed to mention that Buffalo is at 4.75 and the Jets are at 3.25. I think the Jets can improve that. I think all these teams can improve that. But my what I'm betting here is that Tua just cannot play the whole season. Then they're going to have to go back to a backup that really doesn't know what he's doing yet in the NFL. Next team, the final team for this division is the New England Patriots. And their Vegas win total is 7.5, juice to the under, minus 125. 2022 wins was eight, 
Pythagorean wins was 8.59. Their schedule is hard versus New Orleans versus Indianapolis at Pittsburgh. Schedule last year, medium easy. Key losses, wide receiver Jacoby Myers, quarterback Brian Hoyer, wide receiver Nelson Aguilar, uh, tackle Isaiah Wynn, running back Damian Harris, tight end Johnny Smith, safety Devin McCourty, key additions, offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien, wide receiver Drew Drew Smith-Schuster, tackle Alvin Anderson, linebacker Chris Board, tackle Riley Reif, tight end Mike Gisecki, and a bunch of dudes. Key draft picks, quarterback Christian Gonzalez, edge Keon White, safety Marte Mapu, center Jake Andrews, and a bunch of Patriot-type hopes. Summary, the Patriots were once again thought of as the smartest team in football until they let former coach Matt Patricia, who was known for his defense in New England, attempt to run the offense for 2023. Absolutely brutal. I mean, I can't even fathom a worse decision coming from this organization, the Robert Kraft New England Patriots, the Bill Belichick New England Patriots. There's also was just a very clear early quarterback controversy that confused things even more, you know? I mean, what was that? Why why did you ruin the confidence of your young Alabama quarterback by making the media think that Bailey Zappi literally has a chance at starting for this team and benching Mac Jones? I mean, just watching Mac Jones yell at Patricia all game long on the sidelines made for some drama. The big question, did the Patriots really change all that much from last year? Not really is my answer. Now, there's lots of robbing to uh, Peter Pay Paul uh, happened in really the free agency with losing a bunch of guys and gaining a bunch of guys. But this offense ranked only 24th in EPA per play with a defense that ranked third. Now, this was on an easy schedule. It was considered medium easy last year, right? Kind of maybe between seven and 12th. That's what medium easy is from easiest schedule on seven and 12th. But now that they have Bill O'Brien, is he going to make a really big splash here? Having to play the NFC East and the AFC West? I don't think so. You know, know, throw him with a bunch of five-star kids at Alabama. Sure. Yeah. He's going to look pretty good, but I can't forget what he did at Houston it, it, it's almost kind of congruent with the Nathaniel Hackett situation, but the big difference is Bill O'Brien never coached Mac Jones and Hackett has coached Aaron Rodgers, you know? So I just don't really know what to expect. Maybe Bill O'Brien does show good. You know, he's shown signs of being a very good offensive coordinator, but let's face it, Josh McDaniels was always the guy that called the offensive plays on the Patriots in the past. So my number is literally 7.3 wins. So I agree with the market here, almost right on exactly with their number being in its juice in the under, but I absolutely have no play on the Patriots right now. But I will say that my power rating is zero. You know, it's actually um, zero. And if they didn't have a hard schedule coming in, they would be winning 8.5 games, but they have a harder schedule. So I expect them to be under 500 for the 2023 NFL season. All right, moving on to the AFC West 2023 preview and season win totals. The AFC West was supposed to be the best in football before the 2022 season got started. But shortly after, we found that the Broncos, as predicted, had a ton of problems. The Raiders... We're still the Raiders. Some things never change. But one thing that certainly hasn't changed is the top of this division with the Mahomes to Kelsey connection. This could go down in the legendary books someday, like Montana to Rice, right? Um, The Chargers should be a good team if somehow they could get out of their own way. (laughs) And Denver's expectations should be more realistic. 
the Raiders will have the pressure of following the Las Vegas Knights path to a Super Bowl championship. Now the AFC West plays the NFC North, which I would call pretty fortunate, and the AFC East, that is definitely a bit rougher. Let's see how it's looking for the boys out West. Divisional odds. The Chiefs is minus 165 now to win the division. Kind of wish it was plus 175 like we hit last year. With the Chargers plus 340, the Broncos plus 550, and the Raiders plus 1100. The Kansas City Chiefs Vegas win total is 11.5. A little bit juice to the over, minus 120. 2014 wins was 14. Pythagorean wins 11.71. Schedule is hard at large at Jacksonville versus Philadelphia and versus Cincinnati. Schedule last year was medium hard. Key losses, tackle Orlando Brown. Wide receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster. Tackle Andrew Wiley. Safety, uh, Juan Thornhill. Uh, defensive end, Charles Omanihu. Defensive tackle, Kalen Saunders. Defensive end, Frank Clark. Wide receiver, Nicole Hardman. Defensive end, Carlos Dunlap is unsigned. It's quite a few guys. Uh, key additions, Right tackle, Juwan Taylor. Left tackle, Donovan Smith. Linebacker, Drew Tranquil. Safety, Mike Edwards. Guard, Nick Algaretti. And quarterback, Blaine Gabbert. Key draft picks, Edge, Felix Anudike Uzoma. Wide receiver, Rasheed Rice. And tackle, Wanya Morris. Summary, when you are a Super Bowl champion and you pay your quarterback, you lose a lot of players to free agency now. Is that a bad thing for the Chiefs? I mean, maybe somewhat, but I can certainly attest that you can put a bunch of mediocre guys on the Chiefs with only Mahomes and Kelsey, and this team's going to still be one of the best in the league. Whether teams should flock to guys on Super Bowl rosters is very debatable for another time, but now let's see what's really going to happen to this team since they lost a bunch of guys to free agency. The skill positions really shouldn't miss a beat with guys like Kadarius Tony and Marquez Valdez Scantling, which I'll refer to as MVS at the receiver positions. The offensive line will be reworked, which could be a bit rough in the beginning of the season, similar to what we saw last year with the Bengals. Remember, they signed some offensive linemen. We loved it. They started out rough, lost to the Cowboys with the backup quarterback. It takes a while for the offense to gel with new offensive linemen, especially with those two tackles losing like uh, uh, Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown. I think there's going to be an adjustment period there, okay? So it kind of tells you early that you might not want to be on the Chiefs uh, for the early games. Now, being that the offensive line's reworked, I am you know, not super optimistic from the beginning, but I they always seem to figure it out, and you still have Andy Reid as the play caller, and you have Mahomes' uh, great escapability at quarterback. The defense, their front looks pretty healthy with Chris Jones stuffing the middle that allows Nick Bolton uh, to be free to make some tackles. Their defense was just very average, which is fine if you have an amazing offense, but they are also one of the worst in the red zone. Now, average really means below average if your offense is just so great because what that really means is you were leading a lot of games due to your offense and you got to play on your heels a little bit with double wide prevent you know I mean it's nice to know that they have to throw the ball they they kind of feed into you jumping routes you know it's easy for a defense to play with a lead hard to play when you're trying to catch up or in a close game where you're not sure what kind of plays are going to be called. You know, it's easy to play when you're getting blown out or with a big lead, but when it's close, it's hard. Now, it's going to be interesting to see if this defense does have to step it up in the beginning of the season, if this offensive line doesn't gel. But, hey, you know, this is the Chiefs. I have to trust them. Uh, They didn't lose a game by more than four points all last year. I think this team should be the tops of their division But I also think they'd be happy just to make the playoffs because they're in a Super Bowl honeymoon type of year. So I think 11.5 wins is a lot to ask in this division, especially when your at-large games are against Jacksonville, uh, Philadelphia, 
and Cincinnati. I, I'm going under. I'm going under 11.5 wins. Uh, my Chiefs power rating is tied for th- uh, fourth at 4.75. They're actually tied with the Bills behind San Francisco, Philly, and Cincinnati. That doesn't mean they're not going to finish number one. I'm just kind of doing it because they lost their offensive line power. And I thought they were fortunate in some aspects last year that we don't need to go over. But 4.75 is fair to me. I won't be on them early, but I think under 11.5 wins for plus money, which you can certainly get right now, is uh, definitely a bargain. I believe I just took it at plus 120 even in a book. I found it. I think it might have been FanDuel for one star. You're going to need a bigger boat. Next team is the Los Angeles Chargers Vegas win total 9.5 2022 wins was 10 Pythagorean wins was 8.42 their schedule is hard at large at Tennessee versus Dallas and versus Baltimore last year's schedule was medium easy key losses guard Matt Filer the defiler linebacker Troy Reeder and inside linebacker Kyle Van Noy and quarterback Bryce Callahan are currently unsigned we also have the key additions, offense coordinator Kellen Moore, inside linebacker Eric Kendricks, defensive tackle Nick Williams, key draft picks, wide receiver Quentin Johnson, edge Tuli Tuiapolotu, linebacker Diane Henley, wide receiver Darius Davis, also from TCU like Quentin Johnson, and then quarterback Max Duggan from TCU. This Chargers team is very hard to figure out. If you remember back in 2021, head coach Brandon Staley was very aggressive and it was sometimes too much at the wrong times. But for 2022, Staley wasn't aggressive enough and it showed during that playoff second half debacle against the Jaguars. The Bolts have a ton of talent, yet also make a bunch of boneheaded mistakes. I'm not even sure if this offensive coordinator from Dallas, Kellen Moore, will make much of a better impact being that he has also made some strange play-calling mistakes back in Dallas. I also wonder why this team drafted a bunch of TCU wide receivers when instead their biggest weakness was against the run. They also grabbed the Corn Frogs quarterback, Max Duggan, later in this draft. <laughs> Maybe they're closet frog fans, but I, I guess they could have done worse. I mean, the Frogs were a good team, even though they were lucky. On offense, this team should be solid as long as Austin Eckler doesn't pull any more contract shenanigans. The defense is what really worries me, ranking 27th in opponent rushing yards and 29th in opponent rush EPA. Going with wide receivers rather than three techniques and linebackers in this draft was for sure a head scratcher. This team overachieved greatly last year especially when you look at their Pythag with 10 wins, when their Pythag is 8.42. I'm not too optimistic on this team. Let's see if Brandon Staley has learned from his huge managing mistakes, but for the time being, I'm taking the under on their win total here. My number is only 8.21, a little closer to what their Pythag was. I also feel that, you know, they didn't do that great in the draft. They already had receivers on this team like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. You know, being that their schedule's hard against Dallas and Baltimore definitely does not bode well. I'm only going to go for a half a unit, but I'm I'm liking the under nine and a half because you can get that also at some plus money. Uh, check FanDuel, BetMGM, and DraftKings, but I believe that my number that I got was 9.5 at plus 104 at FanDuel for a half star let's move on to the next team which is the denver broncos vegas win total 8.5 2002 wins was five pythagorean wins was 6.63 schedule is medium hard at large versus washington versus cleveland and at houston last year's schedule was medium key losses coach nathaniel hackett defensive tackle draymond jones Tackle Calvin Anderson, linebacker Jake Martin, running back Mike Boone, defensive end Deshaun Williams, and the cornerback Ronald Darby and guard Tom Compton are not signed yet. Key additions, 
Coach Sean Payton, offense coordinator Joe Lombardi, defensive co- coordinator Vance Joseph, right tackle Mike McGlinchey, guard Ben Powers, defensive end Zach Allen, quarterback Jared Stidham, running back Samaje Perine, or Perine, Perine, a lot of people will say different things, tight end Chris Manhurts, cornerback Draymond Smith, defensive end Frank Clark, and a ton of dudes. Key draft picks, wide receiver Marvin Mins, linebacker Drew Sanders, cornerback Riley Moss, and center Alex Forsyth. The 2022 Denver Broncos may have been the most disappointing team and overhyped football team from last year with apologies to the Colts. I remember the Colts were disappointing too, but they, they only scored over 20 points five times. Okay. Now Sean Payton moves in to take over an amazing defense, in my opinion, loaded with talent, former saints, offensive coordinator, and Joe Lombardi is back with coach Sean Payton. So that, is, has to be looked at as a pretty good thing if you remember how good the Saints were. Um, but the big question is, can he revive diva Russell Wilson who just couldn't get his brain right last couple years, too involved with social media, too involved with his wife's stuff and her celebrity and all that stuff that comes with it. I think that's been the biggest demise of him. And I, I am very disappointed with the former Badger quarterback. And I'm really hoping he figures it out this year for a big bounce back. Now, the good news, he's got a ton of talent to work with. I imagine this offense is going to go back to their Sean Payton roots of pounding the football with guys like Javante Williams. When he finally comes back healthy, he might not start right away for you fantasy guys, but he's going to be eased back into lineup while I believe Samaje Pirine is going to be the bruiser when needed and probably start the first couple games of the season. Uh, Probably going to see a lot of check downs as well to the running back. So I expect some pass catching to the running backs. Let's hope Wilson's able to get the ball past those massive defensive ends with their hands up in the air. If you know what Wilson, he's not six feet. He's under six feet for real. I also hope that the quarterback coach uh, Davis Webb's able to reinstill some confidence with Wilson utilizing his own scrambling abilities. Cause really what made Russell Wilson great for Seattle was when he ran the ball and created extra time for his receivers. Then he pops it before he hits the line of scrimmage. The defense shouldn't miss a beat here. They might even get better with defensive coordinator and former coach Vance Joseph. You know, Vance Joseph used to be their coach a few years back, and now he's back as the defensive coordinator. Uh, Denver's defense was a little weak last year against the run, but they're betting that newly acquired defensive ends Frank Clark and Zach Allen can come in to help stop that. Denver was the most injured team of 2022, so I had to give them a little love for all their injuries. I expect some positive regression in that department. My number is 8.68. I believe they're an above average team, soon to be above average team, let's say, because I still start with their power rating at minus two. But I think they get the rims their, or their wins just based on the fact that they should have a good defense. They should have a better offense. They have a very good at-large schedule versus Washington, versus Cleveland, and at Houston. I'm starting out the power rating at minus two, but I could see this moving up to zero as an average team after I kind of assess them a little bit more in the preseason and see what's really going on. As far as their win total, I'm right on it. So I'll slightly lean over the 8.5, being that I'm at 8.68. Number four, the Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas win total 6.5, juice to the over, minus 120. 2022 wins was six. Pythagorean wins was 8.32. Schedule hard at large versus Pittsburgh versus the New York Giants and at Indianapolis. Schedule last year was medium. Key losses, quarterback Derek Carr, tight end Darren Waller, tight end four-star Moreau, quarterback Jarrett Stinham, cornerback Rocky Asin, defense tackle Andrew Billings, inside linebacker Denzel Perryman, defensive end Clellan Farrell, and Anthony Everett is not signed for cornerback. Key additions, quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, wide receiver Jacoby Myers, safety Marcus Epps, linebacker Robert Spillane, cornerback Brandon Faison, quarterback Brian Hoyer, tight end Austin Hooper, and a bunch of second-rate dudes. Key draft picks, edge Tyree Wilson, tight end Michael Meyer, defensive line Byron Young, wide receiver Trey Tucker, quarterback Aiden O'Connell. Summary, the Las Vegas Raiders went from the second-most overachieving team of 2021 to the most underachieving team in 2022 big delta on their pythag six wins 8.32 pythag now being that 
they're in the Chiefs division. It certainly doesn't help. But there should be some pressure on Josh McDaniels now to make the playoffs. Let's talk about the offense. Switching Derek Carr for Jimmy Garoppolo is what they decided to do. And there's no more excuses. Now it's all on Josh McDaniels here. Okay. Both quarterbacks have similar skills. But I have to wonder if Jimmy G just really benefited being in great systems over the years more than just being a good quarterback. If Kyle Shanahan doesn't want him, then something seems wrong here. Earlier this year, the Raiders traded stud Darren Waller just to draft another stud in Michael Meyer. I should say Michael Mayer. That's how you pronounce it. But yeah, it's kind of like you get cheaper because you don't have to pay him as much. Waller wanted some money. I guess there were some issues with him in the front office during the season that were a little bit hush-hush as well. Now, they picked up former Patriot Jacoby Myers to compliment Devontae Adams, keeping Hunter Renfro in the slot. The Raiders' offensive line ranks number 12 in lineups. Uh, good website, really, for ranks. I, I, I use lineups sometimes. Shout out to lineups. Um, can Josh McDaniels put it all together this year? I tend to think not. You know, um, Devontae Adams clearly wasn't healthy. McDaniels is a good play caller, but not a great head coach. On the other side of the ball, the Raiders were brutal against the pass, ranking 31st in dropback EPA. I should say opponent dropback EPA. They drafted Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech to try and speed up that pass rush that ranked just 30th in sacks. They also signed guys like Marcus Epps and Brandon Faison to help in the secondary. Their defensive line should be average at best, and their linebacking crew remains very untested, be it that they kind of flipped them for some supposedly above-average guys. I'm, I, I'm not sure if he's more average there, and I'm talking about uh, linebacker Robert Spillane. I'm just not that optimistic here. I'm also not sure if I can trust defensive coordinator Patrick Graham at all. You know, um, he hasn't really seemed to do anything too creative. When he gets in trouble, he gets in bad trouble. Like They play on their heels a lot when they have leads, and they tend to give up some big games and put a lot more pressure on the offense in that situation. I have to have the Raiders a little below average again, even though their Pythag turned out well. I'm just not sure Josh McDaniels is a good coach, and I think he's just a good offensive coordinator right now. I don't like Jimmy G. Their schedule could be really their undoing here for 2023. I mean, at large versus Pittsburgh, the New York, the playoff New York Giants, Pittsburgh might as well have been a playoff team. The only good one is at the Colts, I guess, but it's too bad it's not at home. So... I don't know. I'm just not that optimistic. My number is really 6.66, even though my power rating is only minus 1.5. It's kind of a big discrepancy being 6.66, but you have to understand that this team plays a ton of talent in the AFC East, right? And they at least get two tough teams in the NFC North and that just strange Raiders at-large schedule against Pittsburgh, the Giants, and Indianapolis, I think 6.6 wins could be where they're at. Now, I'm not going to take the under. My numbers are way too close to what the market is at 6.5 juice to the over minus 120. I'm just going to leave it be here, but I think the Raiders could be a little bit of a fade team coming in here. Just going to be interesting to see how well Jimmy G develops in a new system, finally with a not- first-rate head coach like Bill Belichick and Kyle Shanahan. All right, so that's the AFC West. To recap, Chiefs under 11.5 plus 120 for one star. Chargers under 9.5 plus 104 at .5 stars. For the East, we are taking plus 270 on the Jets to win the division and Miami under 9.5 wins at minus 124 one star. Now let's talk a little UFC on ABC 14. Josh Emmett versus Ilya Tapuria. And I got to tell you, I do not understand this line. 
Ilya is minus 335 in this book. Offshore, they're at minus 310. This is more like an Amanda Nunez beating up a pretender at minus 1,000. I don't know why Ilya is only minus 310 and minus 340 in some of these books. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Josh Emmett, I love the guy because he shows up and gives works his tail off. And that's why he got a split decision against Kelvin Qatar. You know, that's why he was able to beat Dan Ige in a three-round fight. Shane Burgos in a three-round fight. He lost to Jeremy Stevens, you know, got KO'd in 2018, and he just lost to Yair Rodriguez by a triangle choke, but that's because those two are better. Or sorry, not those two. Yair Rodriguez is better than Danny Gay. Jeremy Stevens isn't. But Josh Emmett is a tier two fighter. Ilya Tapuria may be the second best fighter in the featherweight class behind Volkanovski. Just the fact that the Korean zombie, Calvin Qatar, and Josh Emmett are ahead of him in the UFC rankings is a travesty. You saw what Ilya did to Bryce Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell would have whipped any of those people I just mentioned. Brian Ortega is somehow still three. Max Holloway, I love him. He's number two, but I'm sorry. Ilya is taking out Max Holloway. <laughs> you know, this is not a fair fight and it's a five round fight. I don't even know how this gets to the third round. So here's the deal with Ilya Tupuria. He's both Spanish and Georgian. His history is Greco-Roman wrestling as well as Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I mean, that is the perfect combination for UFC success. He is 13-0 in his professional career. Most of his finishes are in the first round. The only time he went the distance was against Yusuf Zalal back in 2020 with his first fight in the UFC. And then the rest of them, first round finish, Damon Jackson. Ryan Hall, first round finish. Jai Herbert, second round finish. Bryce Mitchell, who is a wrestling beast. Second round submission. He submitted the wrestler. Thug Nasty. I mean, he's the real deal. Coming in here, he reminds me of Islam when I was betting on Islam before anybody knew how good he really was. Not only is he a great wrestler, great at jujitsu, great at submissions, he's also amazing striker. The numbers doesn't show it all the time because you have to understand that he's on the ground a lot and they don't count significant strikes like that. But he's still 49% accurate. He only absorbs 2.75 significant strikes per minute. And from a grappling standpoint, his takedown defense is 92%. 92%. His submission averaged 2.45 per 15 minutes. This guy's going to finish this fight most likely in the first or second round. So I'll give you a little hint. But at minus 310, he is a wonderful parlay piece for many, many other fighters. You know, this is what makes him more of a five-star type play because you can combine him with another fighter that I'm going to talk about right now. And this this is actually a really good card, actually, in the UFC. It's, it's a wonderful card. It's some fights that I would more expect to be on, like, a pay-per-view. Macy Barber versus Amanda Rebus. You know, I like Rebus. She's more of the wrestler. And uh, she's actually going to get... Uh, probably a lot of points in this. She's minus 200, a possible parlay, parlay piece. Uh, David Onama versus Gabby Santos is going to be good. But Brandon Allen versus Bruno Silva is kind of what I'm keying on. Brandon Allen is minus 180. Bruno is uh, plus 155. Now, Bruno Silva has been around a little while. He only, he only takes a fight or so a year. He's 23-8. and eight. When he steps up in competition, he gets beat, but he kind of beats the tier three guys, tier four guys pretty well. But, you know, he's lost to Alex Pereira, who was just the champion in the 
uh, middleweight division. Then he lost to Gerald Mearshart. He got stuck in a guillotine, a, a guillotine against Mearshart. Mearshart is one of the more frustrating guys because he he just gets beat by some strange, strange opponents like Ian Heinich, you know, Christoph Jocko, Joseph Pfeiffer. And then he's also beaten decent guys like Dustin Stoltzfus and uh, Bruno Silva. So the frustrating thing for Bruno, I, I guess, he, he's 33 years old. He's got 20 KOs, zero submissions, three decisions. He doesn't have the greatest ground game, even though he's a, a BJ, BJJ guy. While Brendan Allen has a wonderful ground game, five KOs, 12 submissions, four decisions. Brendan Allen from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is a great wrestler. And that's where he's going to probably score the most points. He's just submitted Andre Munitz in the third round. He beat Jocko in the first round. Jacob Malkoon, he won a decision. He beat Smile and Sam Alvey. He did get knocked out by Curtis. So this is why you're seeing like minus 180 and not minus 250, minus 280, something like that. But Allen is a just a very, very seasoned fighter, and I don't think he's going to get knocked out by Bruno Silva. So in this situation, Allen wins. It's probably going to be by decision. But at minus 180, this is a perfect parlay piece with uh, Ilya Topuria, um, making it around plus 106. You can get Ilya at minus 310 if you shop around. Get Allen at minus 180. This is going to be a plus 106 parlay plus money. So we're going to do that one for 1.5 stars. Well, I've been with the best, and I beat the best. I've retired more men than Social Security. <laughs> So that's the official play I'm going to give you is that parlay, Brendan Allen, uh, as well as Ilya Topuria. There's some um, other fights that I'll definitely be keying in on. I've already gave about five plays to our premium subscribers, but you're not going to get many opportunities, in my opinion, where a fighter is around minus 300, minus 330, when in my opinion, he should be minus 900, minus 1,000. So this is your opportunity to be all over Ilya. What's funny is Josh Emmett's actually ranked fifth in UFC rankings. Ilya's ranked ninth at minus 310. So you figure that one out, uh, what kind of rankings they actually use. This card's so good, I'm going to give you one more play. But first, this segment was brought to you by AG1. Why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder and water once a day? Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and the whole food sourced ingredients of high quality that give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash oddsbreakers or link to our podcast description. Neil Mangi versus Phil Rowe. This is in the prelims. This is the main fight in the prelims. Uh, Neil Mangi is minus 160. Phil Rowe is plus one. 35. Well, this is one of those situations where I really like the dog. Mangy, 27-11, a very seasoned fighter, has been around, just loses against the top of the uh, welterweight class. Phil Rowe, kind of up and coming here. But in this situation, um, I don't see much of a difference between these fighters. As a matter of fact, I think the wrong fighter might be favored. Neil Mangy, Pretty good in both areas. Seven KOs, four submissions, 16 decisions. He's lost twice by KOs, six submissions, and two decisions. But Phil Rowe, um, 32 years old, six KOs, four submissions, zero decisions. And he's only lost once by KO, and he's lost by two decisions. Well, that was a while ago. Um, Mangy's fought in great fighters. Michael Chisa is a wrestler. He lost to, he lost to Shavkat Rachmanov, who's amazing. And he lost to Gilbert Burns. He beat guys like Daniel Rodriguez, Max Griffin, Jeff Neal, Robbie Lawler. So he's definitely got some skills, but Phil Rowe, more of the up and coming guy, three years younger, just beat Nico Price, beat Jason Witt, beat Orion Kosky. His loss to Gabe Green was uh, his first fight in the UFC. So that's a little bit more excusable. The thing about Neil Mangi is that he throws a little bit less volume, 3.59 significant strikes to 4.39 for Phil Rowe. 
He's a little bit less accurate, 46%. Phil Rose, 52%. And I look at both of these uh, ground games as about equal. You know, um, Mangi has more takedown averages, but that's also because his fights usually go to decision. You know, so he's got more time on his fights. Takedown defense is really a push in this situation, but per fight, Phil Rowe has a little bit better of the submission average. Now, Neil Mangi's strength of schedule has certainly been higher, but these fighters are just too close to each other, in my opinion, to not take a good look at the dog here. I'm going to go by the, with the younger fighter, Phil Rowe, hungry in this division at plus 145. You can get Phil for uh, about 135 to 150, depending upon what books that you're shopping at. I'm, I'm going to excuse his Gabriel Green loss to a decision. I He knocked out then his next two opponents. Actually, his next three, next three opponents he knocked out. We're going to go what with Phil Rowe for one point. Five stars. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at the oddsbreakers.com. I hope you enjoy the weekend, enjoy all the fights, and go get some winners.